Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome our fantastic guest we are so excited to have here with us today, Tyrus. He is a comedian, author, wrestler, and Fox News contributor. Thanks for joining us today, Tyrus. Thanks for having me. I am so excited that you're here. I I want to start off by first just getting into um, Simone Biles. You know, it's Olympic season. The Olympics are just dominating everything, really, news cycle-wise. And Simone Biles made an announcement about her participation. Uh, she's actually exiting the Olympics. What do you make of this? Well, I she, well, I think we should almost refer to her as Ms. Olympic because, uh, unfortunately, she would have broken the record for most gold medals, I believe, in my opinion, if uh, she was healthy. But uh, she did. She was doing, I believe it was a... Uh, uh, vault exercise and landed weird on her ankle and I guess the injury is more severe than she thought. They originally they pulled her out of the group and thought maybe she could compete in singles, but it looks like uh, Father Time has caught up. I mean, her journey is amazing anyway, just the fact that she's been able to compete in, in gymnastics for as long as she has at a high level, which is really unheard of. Just the wear and tear on, on gymnast bodies is very difficult to come back, let alone two Olympics, you know, so her, her story is still uh, locked in stone as being one of the greatest all-time Olympians, but it's unfortunate it ends that way, but uh, that's kind of how it is an athlete. We see it happen in boxing and football. One injury changes the course of events, so uh, now for Team America, hopefully someone can step up, but those are huge shoes to fill. She's right up there with Carl Lewis, Michael Phelps, uh, Flo Joe, you know, just one of the all-time great uh, Ben Johnson, etc., so We'll just have to wait and see. It, and it's horrible for the Olympics because I guarantee that a huge chunk of ratings just fell down the window as if they could afford to lose any more. I, I, I agree. I, I actually thought to myself, because I was looking so forward to seeing her compete, um, you're almost like, well, I guess I'm not watching women's gymnastics now because it's almost like, why watch? Yeah, but we have to look at the other side. Just imagine who's been training with her and working with her. And this is a huge opportunity. Uh, I always live by the term next man up. And everything I do, uh, you can't you can't focus on what you don't have. You got to keep going what you do have. So I think I think the the women's team is in pretty good shape because if you're just by osmosis being around, training with her, learning from her, uh, the that they're pretty set. So it's almost uh, as much as you hate to say it, it's almost more interesting wondering uh, what uh, what's going to happen next. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So pivoting over to some, because that, that's definitely sports news, but I want to pivot over to something else that's going on. And that was yesterday, there was a viral video of President Biden. You know, it sounds as if he said something really odd about, you know, his personal hygiene when he was walking up to the sticks to uh, answer a question from a reporter. And it's just been nonstop. That video is everywhere. It's on TikTok. It's on Reels. It's on every YouTube site, every every website. And it's just another example of President Biden's apparent cognitive decline that was evident before he was elected. Where do you see this going? What, what do you make of his constant flubs and his inability to just communicate on a regular basis? Well, there's no, there's no question that he's not the same uh, Joe Biden he was 10 years ago. And I would argue most of us aren't. Um, but in this situation, I think what he was doing was he was mimicking the tone of the question being asked him. I think he was really frustrated by, I don't think he likes when he's asked questions off topic. 
I think he, you know, because most of the time his questions are handpicked by staff. So she asked him a tough question, and he was mimicking her cadence. And unfortunately for him, <laughs> even that turned into I haven't I've been white uh, whatever it was, but I think he's just and if he does, damn if he doesn't. You know, it's funny because you know uh, President Trump, who would on a normal everyday basis roast the press. You know, and this was a situation where they're both two older, old guys, you know, and old old men don't like, they get frustrated and they, they snap back. That's just, I think that's just part of the game. Uh, but he, I think he was trying to make fun of the reporter's questions. And of course it backfired on him. So uh, I, you know, I try to give him a break as much as possible. Um, he is, he, you know, we, he's always had the stutter and the speech impediment and, uh, when he gets flustered, it comes out. And, of course, it doesn't make you a bad person to state the obvious. He's not the same uh, guy he was in the Senate. And Father Time is affects everyone differently. And to say that he's losing a step, I don't think is being rude or disrespectful. I think you're just telling it like it is. So I'm glad to hear you say that because sometimes I feel guilty um, just it is so obvious that he is experiencing something that precludes him from being in the role that he's in yet there he is. And I see so many people ignoring it that just to have the, the acknowledgement that, Hey, you know, we're not crazy people. This is actually happening to this man. We're watching it happen in real time. Um, it, it takes something for, I feel like only the adults are having this conversation. Everybody else is like, he's fine. He's nicer than Trump. He's not Trump. So it's fine. Um, the, the reality is he's he's getting worse over time. And anything that's not tightly controlled by his people, it's terrible. And here's and I think the big issue is that he doesn't agree with his people. I I am holding on steadfast to the hope that he his moderate philosophy will come out because the progressives are pulling the strings and writing the agenda. And he's still sharp enough to see that the fund movement was a suicide mission for the Democratic Party in the 22 election. And they are literally trying to pass the buck to Republicans. And that's just laughable. <laughs> more police, more military funding. That's the Republican way. You know, so for them, the only thing to come up with is that, you know, it wasn't their idea. He he made a deal with the devil or he was basically his best path to the White House was by working with progressives and socialists and moderates, and the progressives really thought that he was going to run their agenda. And I, he still got enough in the in the White House. The light still bright enough to know that this ain't working, and I, I'm not a part of this. But he was one of the stiffest guys on Law and Order. He signed that three strike rule. You know, he was part of that process, and uh, even over, I think he was overkill. You know, and, and uh, President Clinton, looking back, will say, yeah, we went too hard. That weren't Republicans on that. That was a Democratic bill. So he doesn't fit with progressives, but they couldn't win the White House without him. They, and he made a deal with the devil of, with Kamala, who's super progressive. And now that their frustration comes, they realize they only have till 22 to get their agenda across. You can only executive order so much stuff. Uh, the House is gone. The American people are are pissed across the board. Uh, they immigration, the fund the police movement, the cities, the blue cities especially. You're going to see, in my opinion, horrible voter turnout. 
Uh, they won't necessarily vote for the red side, but I don't see them standing in line when they can't because there's a good chance they're going to get mugged while they're standing out there. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just we're going to see uh, Republicans take the House. They'll panic. They're going to, and just, I've been saying this on Gutfield nonstop, there will be a civil war where the progressives start getting in the back, and we're already seeing it because the Hunter Biden stories are not coming from the right. They're coming from the left. Now CNN and them are starting to slowly ease these stories out, trying to like Joe's judgment. And is it okay that his son is getting money for his artwork? We're starting to see it. The, the night they're pulling the knife out because everyone knows Democrats eat their own and Republicans do not as a rule. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah. I, I love your assessment there because I've been more upbeat about the midterm, but I've had a consistent pushback from my listeners on Sirius XM at night. And they have said, you know, Stacy, with the voter fraud that occurred, we, we don't have a, a dog in the fight if we don't take care of that. But we're watching as the states are going through the audit process. It isn't going to do anything to solve what happened in the fall of 2020, but it will assist with making sure the elections are cleaner and more fair and pretty much what we had before uh, p- the pandemic and all of those changes were made. Do you feel that level of confidence? You sound as if you feel re- very confident that the elections will be cleaned up and fair and just in time for 2022 in the midterm. This, this is where I, I butt heads with, I have no issue with the elections. That uh, was what it was. Uh, the pandemic changed a lot of rules. There were allowed them to do voting, no IDs, and a lot of mail-in ballots, et cetera, et cetera. While that was going on, we still we still made a big move in the Senate. We made a good made a good dent in the House. So the lay, the, the the tracks are laid there. I I'm more focused on what we can control is our messaging and sticking to our principles and crying over spilled milk. In this case, we can't go back. There's not going to be a change. Yeah, so it's best to put it in perspective to make sure we get out and vote. The good news is that there is not going to be, people are out moving around, they're not, it's not going to be the same thing, and a lot of Democrats are disenfranchised. A lot of them did not sign up for defunding the police. They did not sign up for uh, their neighborhoods being rioted and buildings burned down and no, mm-hmm. there's no justice for them. They didn't sign up for that, and they don't want that. And there's not, no, I don't know one person, and my friends, I have friends on all sides, I don't talk politics with my friends, but the <laughs> one thing we can on is that we, like, we need police in our neighborhoods for a damn good reason. There are horrible human beings out there. And the green light was given to them by Democrats. The only people who don't want police in their neighborhoods are criminals. Let's just keep it real. Or con men who are trying to fleece their constituents uh, for funding and, and all that stuff until it happens to them. If I have a full security squad, I'm not really concerned with police. So the unaffected are the ones who are screaming for defund the police to the point where they've disenfranchised their own base and we're and i you will see low voter turnout in the democratic party and their spin is going to be because republicans want everyone to have ids so they've already laid the tracks take the l and we're seeing that uh, americans i don't care red blue independent whatever we like our neighborhood safe we want our, our children safe we want to be able to go to sleep at night and not worry about uh cocktails going through our windows and our neighborhoods being burnt down so that in itself is going to change this election, and they can't get out of it. And their only their only claim to fame is trying to scare us with vaccines, and that has backfired. President Trump got the vaccine. President Trump gave us warp speed 
the reason why we have so many vaccines is because of the of that uh, his administration and to belittle it and not give credit where credit is due. Again, it's like watching a movie where the bad guy keeps telling you what he's going to do. They would do so much more to tip their hats to what the administration did well, just like when during President Trump's campaign, I constantly said this is the wrong campaign. You're punching a punch-drunk fighter. It's funny the first time you hit him, then after a while people start to feel bad. If, if I really believe if the grandest campaign on all those accomplishments and all the great things that were being accomplished during his administration, we would not be having this conversation right now. It was just, oh, wow. he ran it like he was fighting Hillary. And Hillary Clinton, as we all know, is a vicious, mean person uh, when it comes to that. And she fights and she goes below the belt. Let's not forget who started the birther movement. That was Hillary. Yeah. Let's not yeah. forget how she was perceived when she ran against Barack Obama. She lost a lot of support because she ran such a dirty, backstabbing campaign against one of her own. And so when President Trump fought her and went at her, we had deplorables and we had all this stuff and we had all the things going down with the pay for play charities, et cetera. There was a reason to fight and we got behind it. But I, I really think we just made mistakes in the Republican Party in terms of not talking about all the good we were doing. And we, we got sucked into a, a one sided fist fight and we look like a bully. That's just uh, and we need to rectify that. And I think hopefully they. They get that, and whoever runs for president in, in 24, whether it's Santos or Trump, uh, they're going to have a lot of momentum because the Senate and the House are going to be Republicans again. And I, I got a steak dinner for anybody who wants to bet. Hey, I want the steak dinner, but I'm not betting against you. I watch you on Gutfeld. I know, I know you're you're good on on calling uh, the balls and strikes as you see them. And I, I have to say, um, something that you just said there that I really find it's what people need to hear is that we don't actually need to readdress in the way of, you know, rehashing it and crying over spilt milk, as you said, but it's about going forward if the messaging is good. And we have so many opportunities on that front because Americans are there. Americans aren't just tired. They're weary of what happened last year and the uptick in crime. It it goes from you're weary at one point, but then you're fed up. And when people get fed up, as you just mentioned, they change leadership. They they vote for different people. So we have a great opportunity to actually get our message down into um, the neighborhoods where people are frustrated, not just with the crime, but also with CRT and the schools. So what is your take on, because the, the backlash is enormous. I'm so happy with it. I just, I can't be happier with American parents standing up, moms and dads going to school board meetings, actually getting involved in their kids' education again. Where do you see that going? Uh, the Democrats have their messaging uptight with the, the media and all of that. But the fact is, on the ground, parents are very upset at what's being taught to their kids in public schools. Well, number one, we always hear about the, the right wing, how evil it is. Well, the Democrats have a right wing, and it's the progressives. Um, and there's a reason why they can't run on their own. Critical race theory, and I actually have a podcast that drops today where I just, uh, my Real Talk podcast, where it's no, we, I talk about critical race theory, and I break it down. Critical race theory has a place as an elective in college or a junior and senior year in high school where critical thinking, which is in the title, is that's when young men and women's brains start questioning things and asking things and challenging things and researching things. And it's exciting to throw a, a, a subject matter at them and see what they come back to with that. But if you want to teach that to a group that still believes Santa Claus is real, it's going to have a bad, bad connection because they don't get it. And then 
if you're going to tell the truth about slavery and the connection to racism, then tell the whole story. And you don't, it takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes to Google and read where, how slavery was started. And it had nothing to do with the color of anyone's skin. And I believe it was 1514, I'll make this quick. In 1514, uh, the Pope at the time decided to cut the world in half. Now, luckily for him, of course, the world as we know was flat back then. So he cut the world in half. And basically, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing this because this is really like a four-hour conversation, but he basically said, Portugal, go, go do the voodoo that you do on the world. Bring me back gold and land and use human cargo to build things in my honor, right? So human cargo, i.e. slaves, that's how it started. And the type of slave you had depended on what Atlantic transit current you were on or what shipping you were on. African slaves from West Africa that were being shipped were typically brought to Mexico. So Portugal, Mexico. There was one particular ship that had a, a cargo, a Portuguese ship that had a cargo with slaves in it. And typically they lost about half of, of their slaves when they traveled. And whether it was slaves from Europe or Asia or India or Africa, slaving at one time, I hate to say this, but it was fashionable. It was literally... Human cargo has been going on since the beginning of time. Unfortunately, uh, human beings are can be pretty awful to each other. And we also see it in the animal world. We see it, it with ants, and, and we see it with dolphins, and we see it, it happens more than we realize. It's, for some reason, it's a horrible part of our nature and our history, but nobody's clean, and that's kind of the point. But uh, this ship full of, of uh, slaves was hijacked by English pirates. And when they took the ship over and killed the crew, there was about 20 healthy living West African slaves left that were scheduled to go to Mexico. They hijacked it. They were going to Virginia, the colony. They went there to that area with the slaves to sell them. Like, oh, this is what we got. This is our loot. And this is what we got. And then they bought them and they had them work in tobacco fields. That is when they went back and they started to, instead of hijacking, making trades. And then that's how Africans ended up coming, my ancestors ended up coming to America as slaves. So, and mine, yeah. And yours, yeah. And then you have indentured servants, which is just a sexy term for slaves, um, would, would come over from different European countries, and they would have to offer up their daughters as down payments to the, the owners, and they'd work the land, and if they died, the debt still continued to the next generation. So there was slaves everywhere, of all walks, etc. But once we got to that point, to where slaves and stuff were coming, it took America about 350 years, 400 years to figure it out, which is record time when you look at the world. Slavery still exists today. Ask India and the caste system, or ask Indians who are being who are slaves in Africa. Like there, when we look at what it is for you to blame one race, if you say white people are oppressors, that is the most ignorant. You can say, what white person? You can't say someone from Poland who never, like, they had their own issues. They weren't slaving. Somebody, you know, like, what about the people from Ireland who came over to this country as indentured service or Scotland or whatever? Everyone has an ugly history or past. It, we need to acknowledge it. We need to talk about it. But to blame white people as being inherently evil, they just have the upper hand here. 
but America, which is way different than Africa and Europe, even Europe, England's still English. America is the only world, and this is why America is so great, to where it was founded by white men from Europe. Most countries don't open their doors. You can have other races there, but they will always be dominantly white or black or what Spanish. America has opened the door for everyone. You can have a black president in America. You can have a Hispanic president in America. Every job, every doctor, lawyer, we have gotten to the point where we have systemic opportunity in this country. We're always going to have bad individuals. Racism is an individual sport. It's not powerful today. If you and I went to a restaurant and a waiter came up to us, I'm not serving you guys. And we were like, excuse me, there would be the entire restaurant would be up in arms. People would be walking out. That waiter would be fired. The manager would apologize and give us a free meal because society does not tolerate that behavior. And But instead of focusing on how far we came, and you can talk about it, and you can talk about trades and how it was spice, gold, land, human cargo. Let's not even talk about how women of any color were being treated back then. I mean, there was a million things. We were horrible to each other, uh, whoever had the upper hand or advantage. So to, if you're going to talk about critical race theory as it should be talked about, you're talking about Spain, Portugal, Europe, Africa. Because they just didn't walk in Africa with nets and start scooping us up. They politely went over there with gold and spices, gunpowder, and made and traded for human cargo. So then you got to blame Africa a little bit, too. So, I mean, if we're really going to do critical race theory, let's do it. Let's actually do it. But, again, let's do it when, they're, when the kids are old enough to discuss it. Not politicize it. Not say white people not say this and that, because that's not fair, it's ignorant, doesn't make sense. Yes, white people own slaves, but nobody I know picks cotton right now, and no one's owned slaves right now in the United States, so to blame white people and this generation and the generation before them for the mistakes of how this country was founded, uh, you know, to blame America for taking over a country with blood and killing people, newsflash, that's how it's done, how it's always been done. You know, always. the reason why not English... In the, mid, in the Middle East, because the Moors kicked ass and took names. The reason why Italy has curly hair is because of the Moors. So conquering and murder and pillaging and rape and all that stuff is an ugly history, but it's all of our history. And if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it the right way, non-political. But again, what I just said is not sexy or exciting, and there's no bad guy. So it's not important. But, you know, blaming... Of telling a six-year-old that he was born bad and oppressive is about the worst thing you can do to a child who believes in Lucifer and thinks that that the Incredible Hulk is real. Yeah, it, it's it's child abuse. But I think something you said there, it, it isn't sexy to actually acknowledge history for what it was, which is a bunch of flawed human beings each doing what they feel is best, and then someone coming out on top. And when you frame it that way, there's no villain. And I think that the entire CRT, this this is a deflection away from the fact that Democrats have controlled the areas where most of the minorities live for, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I think it's 120 years they've controlled that area. Uh, you go all over the country and any major inner city, it's run exclusively by the Democrats for decades and there's failure and degradation and low property tax values and the schools aren't good. And so what they do is they they want someone to blame for that instead of acknowledging our policies are hurting these people that we claim we care about. They're now going to go full Marxist and teach everyone 
that it's some white kid's fault, some six-year-old, their ancestors did something horrible, therefore the six-year-old is horrible, and every six-year-old who's black or Hispanic is a victim of that six-year-old's ancestors, so they are victims, and this is their way of deflecting away from their failed policy for decades that has really actually harmed blacks far more than anything else we've experienced in the modern era. So, you know, your your characterization and your telling of that history of how slavery started, it completely blows apart the CRT narrative, and it, it's what needs to be on every channel every night for the next six months until they're too ashamed to try to teach CRT to kids. But until we can get that done, Tyrus, we have to just basically keep telling the truth, which is what you do on Fox News and um, your, your, you know, the late night programming on Gutfeld and so many other places, including your new podcast with Kat Temp. Well, I shouldn't say new, your podcast with Kat Temp. These are things that are vehicles for the truth to get out. And I'm so appreciative that you decided to join us today, um, that you gave us some time and that you shared so much. We could go on talking forever, but I want to respect your time. And so um, we'll go ahead and and cut it there. It has been a pleasure to have George Tyrus Murdoch, Fox News contributor, uh, podcast host, former college football player, professional wrestler, actor, entertainer, so many great accomplishments. Anytime you need me, I'm there. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. It's great to talk to you. And uh, we look forward to talking again. Thank you so much. All right. So (laughs) that was fantastic. Check the links. I have a link to the podcast with him and Kat Temp, link to his uh, place over at Fox News. You can check all that out at the show notes at StacyOnTheRight.com or listen.StacyOnTheRight.com. Let me tell you one more quick thing, and that is about our advertiser, the Alliance for Shared Health. They have over 40,000 member households participating in sharing health expenses. These are need-sharing costs for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card. You can do all of that while saving 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, sign up now. That's StacyOnTheRight.com. Click the banner ad and start sharing and saving today. The Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare changing lives all right that's another fantastic podcast here at stacy on the right hosted by family vision media i'll be back with you again soon god bless